Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast with Paul Jamison. This show is all about helping lawn care and landscaping professionals take your business to the next level. Paul is the author of four best-selling books, including Cut That Grass and Make That Cash, and his brand new book, The Lawn Care Advantage, Winning Strategies for a Thriving Landscaping Business, available on Audible and narrated by Mr. Producer. Now, here's your host. Paul Jamison. Welcome to today's episode of the Green Industry Podcast, where we help you take your business to the next level. One of the ways to win in a business is to definitely have the right people on your team and to know your numbers. And so I've been blessed over the years to find uh, Megan and Joey Coberly. I actually got connected with them at the Lawn Care Life Conference in Alabama uh, back in 2020, and I hired them um, to take over uh, my bookkeeping services and my business. And then uh, eventually they introduced me to uh, certified financial planner, uh, CFP Sheila Chaplin, who's helped me over the years with taxes, uh, tax preparing, uh, tax planning, and um, investing, and then all of that fun stuff um, around uh, the world of finance with business. So yesterday on the program, we had Megan and Sheila for t- uh, part one. Uh, we started talking about sales tax and the difference between uh, a contractor and an employee, how to properly pay a contractor, how to properly pay employees uh, to be compliant and to make sure you're doing everything uh, tax wise with all of that. And uh, we, then we just start talking about all kinds of things. Uh, so today we're going to dive deeper into the world of um, meals and entertainment, uh, mileage, and just things to be aware of as, as a small business owner uh, to make sure that you're doing things properly uh, when it comes to the financials in your business. So uh, again, Megan and and uh, Sheila, they're you know professionals at what they do, and they are well more um, aware of all the, the rules and regulations uh, around these things. So it's good to just touch base with them and uh, make sure that we're on top of the business side of our business. Uh, business when it comes to knowing our numbers financially and things of that nature. So if you missed part one, uh, just to get some context, you might want to go back and listen to uh, yesterday's program. Uh, But without further ado, we're going to dive right into part two with uh, CFP, Sheila Chaplin, and uh, the bookkeeping company that I use, uh, Megan Coberly from the Landscaping Bookkeeper. Enjoy. So setup is key and then monitoring. It's just like anything, any other practice in your business. You have to you have to to maintain a little bit of control over it. I mean, right. we all need help. I mean, that's what I'm here for. That's what Megan's here for is to help small business owners. But, um, you know, you certainly want to. And I think in our practices, at least we respect the fact that we're part of the team. We are not the coach. We're, we're not, not the quarterback. Yeah. We are, you know, we're here to support everything that our clients are doing, but you do need to actually maintain yeah. some controls, some controls in your business. It's just good business practice to make Absolutely. sure that you have all of the tools necessary should something go wrong with these different providers that you have, you know, yeah. and, you know, just Something as simple as that letter that you get from IRS that has your your federal employer ID number. Yes. It states very clearly about two or three times in that letter. They are not going to reissue that letter. Right. Keep that letter, you know, like frame it if you have to, but make sure that you scan a copy of it. Keep a digital copy. 
copy and then also put a, um, you know, put the paper somewhere that, you know, isn't going to get shredded by the, the dog or coffee spilled yeah. on it or whatever. Mis mistakes in these lanes just feel way too time consuming for a business owner. And they are. That is why they look for help by hand, maintain some of that control, like Sheila's saying. And I think sometimes, you know, depending on the problem, I, I don't really call state places for, for you. I, I would need more information about your business and it, it gives you that sense of control over what it is you're doing. And so, yeah, really get that one right. If I had to really emphasize anything in this, this podcast, it would certainly be that payroll setup and making sure you have that sense of control, you know, your ID numbers, you've got logins, you, you know, have W4s like Sheila said, and then you're maintaining the deposits and the tax payments from there on out. Sounds good. Do you guys want to explain the difference between an employee and a contractor? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I get questions all the time about, well, I, you know, I have, I have my, my son's on payroll. Well, are you withholding taxes or, you know, or, or my nephew or, you know, whoever it is. And it, it largely, um, you know, when you, when you come down to the fact that just keeping somebody's hours and paying them um, is not, Putting them on payroll, putting them on payroll requires some of the steps we were just talking about as far as you need to have the proper withholdings. They need to be you know, paid through a payroll system or either you need to be you know, figuring out on your own what um, what taxes need to be withheld and, and withholding and paying those taxes for that employee's behalf. And then, of course, adding your own employer portion of that uh, that those taxes that need to be reported and paid. Um, so how do you determine if you need to put somebody on payroll or if they're actually an independent contractor? Um, there are some common law rules, as they as IRS refers to them, that you can use as a guideline to determine that. Now, I'm going to before I forget, I'm going to mention that if you have problems with the determination of whether this is an, a contractor or an employee. And by the way, employees can also submit these to IRS. So be sure that you understand the rules. But if you can't determine, then you can send in what's called an SS8 to IRS and have them determine whether that's an employee or a, a independent contractor. Um, but that's just public service announcement. Um, but so there's three areas that they look at. their behavioral, financial, and the relationship. So if you, if the company has control, um, then in general, um, that that's going to controls behavior, the financial aspects, and um, the type of relationship, then generally that's going to be an employee. Um, but again, this is up for you to determine. So behavioral means, you know, do you have the right to control what they do and when they do it? Financial is more around, um, it are the business aspects of, of that worker, um, controlled by the payer. I mean, by the payer being you as the employer, um, like how, how the workers paid is, are you paid? By um, by the hour, are you paid a salary? Are you paid 
um, just based on piecemeal work. Um, so, and the other part of that is kind of who provides the tools? Is the employee coming with their own tools and they have their own um, equipment that they're using to provide that service for you? Um, and then the last one, the type of relationship is more about, is there a, do you call this person your employee? Um, do you have, do they have some sort of key function or key responsibilities in the services provided by your business? Are, you know, I mean, are you providing benefits for them? Because pretty much then they're going to be considered an employee. Um, that you really have to determine, you know, based on on all of those things, whether you feel like this person is your employee or whether they are an independent contractor. If they're showing up to the job, they're pulling their own mower on their trailer and they're getting out and they're providing a service to you, then um, and then you pay them for those services and they go about their merry way and they have their own um certificate of liability and they've got their own workers' comp insurance and all of that, then they're probably not your employee. Um, so, you know, it sometimes it seems really straight, straightforward and clear cut. And then sometimes the, it's a little hazy. So, you know, talk it through um, with uh, certainly with the, with the potential worker um, and, and figure out whether, what the, what the relationship's going to be how you're going to pay them, what you're going to expect out of them. And that's going to point you in the direction of if you determine that this is an employee, then you will have that W-4 filled out. And if you determine that this is going to be an independent contractor, then you'll want to, um, then you'll want to have them uh, fill out a W-9 so that you can provide the 1099 at the end of the year. That's Sheila has it. I don't have anything to add to that. I mean, I like she said, the lines aren't so clear cut, um, but seemingly in this industry, unless, you know, they're providing a completely separate service than what your business advertises. And maybe, you know, they're not so much as a day labor, but they're there over and over. It seems like most of the time it's a W2. I mean, and I think I think the length of the relationship it, it can be sure. a kind of a key, even though that they would normally seem like an employee. The length of the relationship could actually put them more into the independent contractor. Could help dictate so, a little bit of that. Um, yeah. You know, if they're going to be somebody that that you call on whenever you have significant overflow, or you have, you know, this is somebody that maybe used to work with you or, you know, is just or semi-retired or something. And, and they're really not on your staff, but you can call them in a pinch. That might be somebody who's actually an independent contractor. Um, it could be somebody who wants to be on payroll and that you're just pulling them in whenever you need them. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I said, that there's a lot that has to be determined between, I mean, you have to think about it as the employer, but you also need to have a, a realistic conversation with, with the you know, if, if that's the scenario that they're not going to be somebody that's yeah. full time. I think setting up the expectations with that future, either contractor or employer or employee is, is a little bit more of a key in this conversation. Cause I think we've even had that conversation about what's the difference between the two. And it's obviously a question because there's a million different scenarios. Um, but as it relates to what I think is worth emphasizing is really creating that 
expectation upfront with whoever it is. So whether that's a W4 in their lap at some point or W9 as a contractor, then maybe that would be the next step in determining and making sure those are clear cut lines for you and your business. Yes. And it's not uncommon to have somebody who's an independent contractor that then becomes a part of your workforce. Sure. Now, what would to what would you say to somebody who halfway through the year has just provided excellent service for the employer who originally thought, hey, I'm just going to have to use them for some overflow of work. But then it just becomes a steady stream and they think, oh. I think I'd like to add them to the team and has that conversation. Now they're on payroll. What happens when somebody has both a, a 1099 for the year and a W2 for the year? Is that a big red flag or there's a way to. It's a, it's a red flag. If that's a consistent pattern with you and that employee. Got it. Um, Makes sense. It, it, like I said, it's not uncommon to have somebody move from one to the other. Yeah. Um, but that can't be your consistent MO. Ah, okay. Um, because you don't give 1099s to W-2 employees. Right. Exactly. And the most common misuse of having both of those or the common misstep that I see is you have an employer that provides a bonus payment. Mm. to their employees and they want that employee to have the entire bonus payment. payment. Yeah. And so they'll do that. And then they 1099 them and that is not the correct way to do it. Mm. So quick question for you, Sheila, and putting more pieces of the puzzle together in this regard, but let's say, I don't know, they, they don't understand someone's a W2 for their business. And then they decide to kind of switch it up mid year and they pay them a salary check because they move from hourly hourly to salary. And then, you know, they talk to their bookkeeper or even their CPA or tax repair. And they realize that salary should still have gone through payroll and not just been a salary check. Is there a way to back backdate a payroll or is that a really complicated thing and too much for the podcast? Mm, yes. <laughs> yes. On, on all fronts. <laughs> I didn't know um, if there was a way to backdate within the same year. I know once you're switching yes, years, it's your, possible. Your CPA, your payroll provider, um, actually some payroll providers will not, they will not go back and, and amend. Um, you can, it's ugly. Um, yeah. and it's, it's not something you want to do. So it's better to, um, it's one of those areas that it's not better to ask for forgiveness later. It's better to ask questions to begin with before. Um, you know, if you're going to make a change in your staffing situation, then have a conversation with either your payroll provider, or your tax preparer, or your bookkeeper, mm -hmm. whoever it is that that's helping you in that area. Um, have a conversation and understand what the rules are yeah. when you make those changes would be my, you know, the best case scenario. If, if you do have a misstep, yes, you can go back. Um, it can be costly for you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of different fronts, but you can, you know, you have to pay penalties. If you haven't been doing it correctly. Hmm. Well, that was a thorough answer. Um, do you guys want to <laughs> uh, chime in on the the meals, the mileage, uh, just some um, updates on on those things? Yes, um, I, I have been a little shocked. Um, and I guess, you know, we, we live in little bubbles based on our industry. And I guess, you know, the, the news has not been spread 
widely enough that we are back to the old way of doing business when it comes to deductions for meals. Um, you know, we had two years there where it was like the heyday of, of meals. <laughs> we got to, to expense 100% of those. And when that's not the case for 2023, we are back to the, you know, the, the 2019 rates of 50% for most of, um, what we would consider business meals. Um, so, you know, make sure that you have a conversation with your bookkeeper, your tax preparer, whoever it is that's helping you with that. Um, and, and understand what is deductible at a hundred percent and what is deductible at 50% because most of it's back at 50%. Um, you guys have any specific thoughts about how I could differentiate those? I will. Um, yeah. What's what is, so I know, like you said, there used to be, a, there was for a t- short time period, a little bit of a heyday post COVID for restaurants and meals. But what now is the differentiation between what we would consider hundred percent? Is that like travel meals or uh, can you give specifics as to what is more like 50, what is 50% deduction versus what would be considered like a hundred percent deduction? Cause I know in, you know, the categories in the books, there's lots of different meal categories depending on. Well, I think it's probably most common, um, you know, with like with our joint clients, Megan, that they're providing food for employees. Okay. So, so those uh, I'll focus on, I'll give you an example of what's a hundred percent, which would be, um, you have a team building event, um, you know, a a party, uh, a summer event, a holiday party, whatever it is. And that food for that particular recreational activity with your employees would be a hundred percent where all employees are invited. Correct. It's not like some social fun party for a certain part of your, your business. Would it require all? Um, I don't think, I don't think you have to get that granular with it. It's a recreational activity. I mean, yeah. What about if they were to invite spouses? Is there any differentiation there? I mean, it's a, it's a employee event. You know, it, as long as that that employee is, I mean, as long as the event is is open, yes, for I guess all of your employees. But I, I would suspect that there's not really a whole lot of um, CEO level <laughs> parties that you're going to be, um, you know, doing. I'm not any. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, for me personally, I you know it would be hard for me to exclude my, you know anyone from my, from my employee <laughs> parties, but you know, in general, yes, it would be for the, but I mean, think about it. It's a team building activity. Right. So exactly. No, I hear you. Okay. Anyway. Um, so it, you know, that would be a hundred percent. Now, if you're providing an in office meeting and in office, it looks a little different for, for, for the landscape community. Um, that could be, you know, your, your weekly team meeting where you're sitting down and, and having, um, a conversation about how, how you're maintaining your equipment or, you know, whatever the topic of, of your employee meeting is, or, or, you know, your work schedule for the week. Um, that goes back to 50% now. Ah, Okay. So like pizza for the weekly office meeting on Monday morning or maybe not pizza for Monday morning, but well, lunch. <laughs> the, the, the coffee and donuts and, and the, um, you know, the snacks and things like that. Uh, 
those are going to be those are going to be at fifty percent now. What about it's still deductible? Yeah, just, okay. just not as you know, just not as um, fulfilling as it used to be. No, we're to put you on point, and obviously you can not answer. But what about like Starbucks being brought to the whole crew or being picked up on the way to the first? stop for the day. 50%. Are you looking to supercharge your lawn care business? Check out Footbridge Media. They'll optimize your online presence, manage your reviews, and provide personalized marketing consulting, all under a fixed price pledge with no hidden charges and a 90-day money-back guarantee. It's time to take your business to the next level. Visit greenindustrypodcast.com now to discover more about Footbridge Media, your bridge to success. Mr. Producer here, bringing you some exciting news. The Equip Exposition is celebrating its 40th anniversary in Louisville, Kentucky, October 17th through the 20th. That is definitely the place to be. And if we got a special deal for you, use the code Paul for an incredible 50% off your tickets. Dive into the show notes, grab that link, and secure your spot. Say goodbye to disorganized and inefficient business management. Upgrade to Jobber, the field service management software. Streamline every aspect of your business from quoting to invoicing. Impress your customers and increase your productivity. Start your journey to success with Jobber now at getjobber.com forward slash Paul. Again, that's getjobber.com forward slash Paul. Awesome. What is not deductible? at all actually what one thing that has stayed the same no entertainment yes <laughs> no entertainment deductions anymore so <laughs> but you know you did ask about travel travel meals those are 50 percent again okay now just thinking as a bookkeeper i don't know if this helps the public but should the travel meals are they are they treated separately than like hotels and incidentals while traveling? Yes. Ew. Good to know. Well, I mean, you know, and you can also have a conversation because this is pretty specific. You can have a conversation with your um, with your tax preparer, your um, bookkeeper, but you want to make sure that, um, you know, you understand when you're traveling, especially if you're traveling with a spouse that does not work in your business, understand that your spouse's expenses are not deductible. Hmm. Um, if, if they're not in your business, they don't work in your business, then the spouse is excluded from, right. from a lot of this. Um, but, you know, understand that there are also what I was getting to was there was also there's also per diem. You can choose that method. Yeah. As opposed to keeping receipts and stuff like that. So, but that's pretty specific because the per diem is based on where you're traveling to. It's different for different areas of the country. So got it. Where you understand that the per diems change based on the where you're traveling. Yeah. So got it. Like said, you can, you know, that most of it's pretty pretty straightforward, but um there are differences. So just have that conversation with your your tax professional. Right. And one last, I think I'll be an easy answer, but even while traveling, you know, it should be business related travel meals, correct? Like, let's say you and a buddy are at the same place, but y'all go golfing and you buy, you know, obviously the entertainment is not deductible in any sense, but let's say there's a, a business, a business lunch. Are we dicing that far in between? Or when we so, talk about travel meals, we still mean business income relating activities. Um understand that if you are 
let's say you you do have um like like you rent a box at a, at a sporting event or a suite of some sort and you are providing food for that suite the suite is not or the, or the box is not deductible because that's considered entertainment but the food right. would be but the caveat is is that you have to have them build separately separately yeah yes okay i've heard that so i, I mean I, I think that probably went a little bit beyond like the scenario that you were asking about but yeah, yeah I, mean, I think a lot of times travel you know deductible and then everything on the trip becomes deductible even though like the event was in this location and we're also doing things in this location, but it's because we're near friends and family and we just, we have an extra day in the schedule. And so like said event is done, but you know, this, the second day is family and friends. So that family yeah, friend day. Yeah. You wouldn't count the meals from that. Okay. That's really and, and the reason that the travel meals, honestly, you know, understand the rationale behind this. I think it'll help out clarify the reason the meals for travel are 50% is because IRS figures you're going to eat anyway. <laughs> okay. Right. You would have been eating if you were home. You just happen to be traveling for work. So you're probably going to be eating out as opposed to cooking your own meals whenever you're traveling for work. Sure. So there's a, there's an increased expense because of the business travel that you need to, you know, be spending a little bit more money. So they give you, you know, the allowance of 50%. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great so, thinking pattern for, you know, the, the main, th sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Megan, but the main thing is, is that it can't be lavish or extravagant. Yes. Yes. Which is why you often have those minimal, you know, the de minimis, I think is the term used. Uh, right. Like I said, that. you know, I mean, the per diems are not bad if you want to just yeah. default, you know, default to that. I mean, it, right. most of the time it's about 60 60 to 80 dollars a day depending on where you are <laughs> for meals i mean although these days that probably doesn't come <laughs> they're always going to be a little kind <laughs> uh, but it is but it is a default that you can use okay cool i didn't know about this is there anything we're leaving out here about mileage on uh driving and things of that nature oh. Mileage rates increase this year. You do not have to keep your mileage <laughs> for two separate. Uh, last year, we had like the, the increase in the middle of the year. Um, we we don't have that to deal with this year. So it's one mileage rate. It's a uh, 65 and a half cent per mile. Um, so my suggestion um, and the way I prefer that my clients deal with mileage is even if you um, think that you will not be using mileage, that you will be using your um, your actual expenses for your vehicle, uh, it's still a good idea for you to keep your mileage because it gives you the option to use the mileage over the actual expenses, first and foremost. And second of all, it is also documentation and um, substantiation of the fact that that is actually a business use vehicle. So even if you use actual expenses, the actual expenses are based on the fact that that vehicle is used more than 50% for business purposes. So if you have that documentation of your mileage, then you can prove that you were eligible to use the actual expenses. And remember a mileage log requires a date, a business purpose 
you know, like where, where you were going. Um, and either the beginning and ending odometer or the actual mileage, um, you know, the, the number of miles. That sounds good. Well, I think we covered everything uh, on, on the suggested list to cover. Is there anything we're leaving out here that you guys wanted to address? No, they're probably asleep by now. Mm, maybe so. Maybe so. Um, <laughs> I think we probably nerded out enough on the, on the numbers and the, um, but you know, I mean, the, the bottom line is, is just tax laws change and, and make sure that you understand what applies to you and what does not. Um, because seems to be your mode, Sheila. No, it doesn't. It's hard to neatly package anything in this, in your field, I feel. It, it, it really is. And it's, um, it's dangerous in my profession to give blanket advice. Sure. I mean, you know, as a, um, as a tax preparer and also as a financial planner, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm just so, uh, so in favor of, of an individual approach an individualized, uh, approach to, to making sure that, the advice that's provided is relevant to that individual. And, it, you know, it can change for each individual throughout your life phase. It can change throughout the business cycle. Um, right. So, you know, you have to be aware of where you are and, um, and what applies. And that's, that can be difficult, but that's why there's, there's folks like you and me out in the world that, <laughs> that like all this nerdy stuff. So, um, Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Paul tends to appreciate the fact that we like the nerdy stuff and he can. Sure. No, I, I you know, just more of a joke than anything. It, it tends to be a little bit of dry information, but it's absolutely important. It is. And you need someone there to help you with that stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, how can people connect with you guys? Well, it's still the 15 minute. So feel free to go on over to our website, thelandscapingbookkeeper.com and fill out our 15 minute form. And my goal with that 15 minute call, I'll call you right at the time that you, um, you ask for. And my goal is just to make sure at the beginning, it's worth going into an hour of both of our time to get enough information to turn around and send you proposal. So that is the onboarding phase. It's the website request a 15 minute slot with me via phone call. We'll chat for 15 minutes. Like I said, make sure it's a good enough fit to move on to that one hour consultation and the one hour consultation. I always hope leads to a proposal. Um, and for me, you can, I think the easiest thing, I will send you a link to my calendar. Um, I offer pretty much similar type of MO as, as Megan. Um, you can sign up for a consultation um, on my calendar. You just send me an email at S C reliable tax at gmail.com. I'll send you that link and you can uh, schedule a time at your convenience for us and to have just, a chat. And just so your listeners know, I mean, Sheila's a little bit newer to the scene. So Sheila and I partner, but we have separate businesses and she's got her own onboarding process. I have my own onboarding process. And basically when I do get on that consultation, I mentioned to people, I'm not a tax preparer that they either want to keep good connection with their previous tax preparer, or if they'd like, um, I'll introduce them to Sheila. So I also obviously have her contact information, but if they need just tax services and not bookkeeping services, um, 
then she's got her own onboarding process. And the benefit, even though, like I said, there's no, there's no mixing of our businesses per se, the benefit of having both Sheila and I is that twice a year, we will get in the same meeting with you so that we're all on the same page. Like we started mentioning at the very beginning of the program, Sheila can look at that profit and loss. I can comment on anything that needs to be commented on since I'm doing the bookkeeping side of it. And, um, you know, that May meeting is right after tax season. So it's a good chance to just sit down, make sure we're all on the same page. And then that second meeting is in November, which is a great time to mention 1099s. It's a great time to relook at your profit and loss for the year and just make sure things look as they should and not any different than expected and have a year end conversation before we do head into that very busy tax season where getting, getting in touch with Sheila is possible, but it won't be as fast as, you know, having a meeting where she can answer your direct question. Yeah. Onboarding during tax season is not my favorite. Um, I, uh, you know, I offer a range of services. So I mean, right. most of my clients are, are participating in, in having me, um, you know, available to them year round. Uh, but I, um, you know, I will, I will take on clients just to do taxes if that's, if that's all I need. But I find that business owners really want somebody, um, the questions don't end after tax season, I guess it's not is the end of the, the end result of that. And um, especially if you're in growth phase, there's a lot more to uh, to tax planning than just having your taxes prepared and knowing what your estimated taxes are. Absolutely. There's so much information surrounding it. Did you pause the recording? Well, I hit end because you guys are, <laughs> you guys kept, I didn't know when you were closing, but the audio is still going. So the audio podcast, they're still listening to oh, us. Nice. <laughs> the, the video ended. Oh, no, it's just so much information. Video didn't need to happen anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> so much information that yes, your questions are really never answered just because of a tax season. So I'm glad Sheila provides that for my clients specifically, because I had no desire to muddle myself with all that information. Well, guys, it's always good touching base with Megan and Sheila. And a disclaimer, this this isn't legal advice or anything like that. Uh, I really encourage you guys um, to, there's so many variables when it comes to running our businesses. And it's so personal um, that I really encourage you to make sure you hire professionals uh, for your bookkeeping services, for your uh, tax preparation and things of that nature, for your investing. And so uh, Megan and uh, Joey Coberly, uh, they're a bookkeeping service company that I've used for years. And uh, Sheila Chaplin from Reliable Tax, uh, they're, they're great. Um, her, her team um, over there in South Carolina, uh, they're very helpful um, in making sure that I'm setting aside the appropriate funds for taxes throughout the year. And then we have a game plan around all of that, um, as well as investing, uh, your Roth IRAs. And, and, and there's so many different investing opportunities out there and options, but uh, Sheila's a CFP, so she can definitely uh, give you sound advice <clears throat> for what's best for your situation. And again, there's so many variables um, um, in regards to to what uh, income you're working with, what your goals are, you know, uh, there's so many variables. So it's good to just talk to them uh, for yourself. Their information is in today's show notes. Uh, you'll also find the link to Jobber. That's the CRM that I use. Uh, as well as QuickBooks Online. So I kind of I have a whole orchestra of a team and it all works together so beautifully um, with Megan and Joey as the bookkeepers, as, as Sheila, as the CFP, and then, um, you know, QuickBooks Online and Jobber. 
um, all syncing together uh, with my bank accounts and, and, and the business is organized. And uh, thank, thankfully, with the help of Megan and Joey and, and Sheila, I know my numbers and uh, it, it's awesome. So uh, the early days of my business, it was it was sloppy and disorganized. And there's so much more peace when you know what's going on. And that uh, really gives you a better sense of control and, and helps us to make smarter decisions um, as we grow our businesses and our teams. So uh, take a gander through today's show notes, and I uh, hope that will help you uh, take your business to the next level. Thanks for listening. Hope to catch you on the next episode. The Know Your Numbers training program is the shortcut to financial freedom that I wish I had. You see, success requires more than us just working in our business. We must learn how to work on our business. And in the Know Your Numbers training program, you'll learn how to stop burning cash so you can learn to make all your services truly profitable. You can bid with total confidence that each job you sell mean more profit in your pocket as you build long-term wealth. Because we're going to teach you how to start paying yourself as the owner of the business the right way. You can grow a healthy business as we identify and track your cash flow for continuing success so you can stop losing sleep over financial details as you gain the skills to delegate the tough number crunching activities as a lawn care business owner and never chase those unpaid invoices again we'll teach you how to streamline your billing into a hands-free process so we will cover all of this and so much more as john Pajak and i are the teachers in this e-training program it's called know your numbers it's available at our resource center at the green industry podcast.com hey it's marty producer of the green industry podcast This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services that you heard about during the episode. And thanks for listening.